0: This is what we need to understand about ourselves today, people of hope. We need to understand that God is greater than we think he is. That the God that that we have comprehended and painted a picture of in our minds and in our hearts is so much less than the reality of God. God is greater than we think he is. About to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintigard.com. The painting that's shown up on the screen is a painting that means a lot to me and to my family. It's a painting that's called Reunited shows Jesus embracing one of his children as they come home to heaven finally. This is a painting that reflects the resurrection. This truth about the resurrection from the dead, this is something that I'm trying to prove to you today. And this is something that I try to prove to you every single Sunday, by the way, that God is so much better than we think he is. (laughs) He always has been. He always will be. He is never worse than we think he is. He is much better than we think he is. And he's going to show us how that is today. And he's going to teach us about the resurrection from the dead. Uh, Today is an awesome day, really, to start a new tradition here at Hope. It's going to be new for us, not necessarily new for the Christian church on earth. After I read this gospel lesson... I am going to ask that that the church responds together, because we're hearing about the gospel of Jesus, the work that he has done to save us from our sins. So I'll ask that we respond after I read this gospel lesson by saying, thanks be to God. We'll do that after I read Luke chapter 20, verses 27 through 40. Some of the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second and then the third married her. And in the same way, the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be? "'since the seven were married to her. "'Jesus replied, "'The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, "'but those who are considered worthy "'of taking part in the age to come "'and in the resurrection from the dead "'will neither marry nor be given in marriage, "'and they can no longer die "'because they are like the angels. "'They are God's children "'since they are children of the resurrection.' But in the account of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. Some of the teachers of the law responded, Well said, teacher. And no one dared to ask him any more questions. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. There's something about sitting in a beach chair, looking at the ocean, with a cold drink in your hand, with the warm sand caressing your toes. There's just something beautiful about it. (laughs) And there's something about having the tiny little hand of a baby grasping your finger. And there's something about a gorgeously seared steak with a perfectly paired wine. There's something about the joy of movement, being able to, to move with endless possibilities. There's something about hearing your favorite song on the radio and hearing, feeling your heart dance inside you. There's something about the joy of knowing your spouse. The care, the love, the touch, the romance. There is something divine about living in this world, in God's world, in a body. And there's something divinely incredible about receiving God's gifts with your senses. You know, I see that's, a, that's true every single day. Every day, I turn out, out of my condo complex, I take a right, and I see the line at the Dutch Bros shack. <laughs> Every single day. And it blows my mind every single day that there is a double line on both sides of the shack twisting all the way around the large parking lot and going out into the road. Every day. People need their coffee. And yeah, I know. I'm I'm looking out at the congregation and I'm seeing that there's Dutch bros out there this morning. We need our coffee. And why is that? You know, with Dutch Bros, it's definitely not because we're watching our calorie and sugar intake. (laughs) It's not nutritional. And you know, I'm I'm actually starting to be convinced of this, that we don't go to Dutch Bros every single day for the caffeine. I am convinced that there is a line outside Dutch Bros at 7 a.m. and at 7 p.m. every day because it gives us the human experience that we love to have. the taste of the coffee as it as it hits your taste buds for the first time and the feeling after about 8 or 10 sips of having the caffeine rushing through you making you feel more alive and more awake than you were 10 minutes ago it's a human experience we get to experience the coffee with our taste with our sight with our sound with our smells and there's something incredible about that. But there I go, <laughs> talking like a Christian. Talking like somebody who believes that there is a God who cares about what happens to my body. Because not everybody thinks like that, right? Maybe even most people don't think like that. Luke wanted to let us know that not everybody thinks like that. It was the first thing that he wrote in this text. He said, some of the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to Jesus with a question. So Luke lets us know right away that there are some people who don't believe that God cares about what happens to our body. Who believes that, that the only thing that's coming to our bodies is total annihilation. And that after the death of our bodies, all that there will be for us is an absence of sense. No sight, no touch, no hearing, no smell, no knowledge, no nothing. Those were the people that approached Jesus on this day. They were on a quest, but they weren't on a quest for knowledge and for truth. They were on a quest to disprove the resurrection and to disprove. Jesus, they had a plan to do it too, and it was a good one. They were going to use the law that everyone knew about, the law that Jesus knew backwards and forwards, the law that says that if there's a husband and wife, and that husband and wife don't have any kids, and the husband dies, the man's brother needs to marry the wife and raise kids with her so that the husband can have an heir. Everyone knew that law, and they were going to bring this law to Jesus in order to kill two birds with one stone, both to disprove the resurrection and to disprove Jesus. And they had this bizarro world scenario ready for him. Did you notice how crazy that scenario was? I mean, you have this woman, and I'm going to be facetious here, you have this woman who is literally toxic. She marries one man and he dies. She marries his brother and he dies all the way down the line until the seven brothers are wiped out and finally she dies and the men of the world breathe a sigh of relief. And then they present the question, the theological rope that they wanted Jesus to attempt to untangle. They said, now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? I mean, what do you say to that? The scenario is this, right? You have seven men who were married to one woman and, and, and they're all resurrected. Okay, Jesus, tell us which one is going to be more happy than his brother's. And, and there are going to be six brothers who are going to have a less heavenly experience in heaven because they're going to be alone. They wanted Jesus to, to speak this out loud so that they could catch him in some really sketchy marriage litigation so that they could make him look foolish and so that they could make the resurrection look foolish. Foolish. I got to tell you this, that the Sadducees, even at the time of this writing, were really a small Jewish sect. And today, there are no Sadducees. They're kind of like the dinosaurs. They are, um, you can only find them in museums and in ancient texts. And so I'm telling you this because I want you to consider why is this text in the Bible? If this account tells about Jesus talking to people who are no longer relevant, why would this text be in the Bible? It's because Luke, the writer of this text, is ministering to something that is inside all of us. Yeah, you might not have this bizarro world scenario ready to go in your mind, ready to throw it in Jesus' face, ready to disprove the resurrection, but I'm guessing inside of you, you are wrestling with the same fear that the Sadducees were, the fear of what comes next. Wrestling with the question for the ages, is there all, is this all there is? What happens after I die? What will happen to me? There is that fear in all of us. And so Luke recorded this account to show us that the answer to this question for the Sadducees was a logical one. They had logically come to the conclusion that there is, there is nothing after death. There is no resurrection. What I want to show you today is that is that is not a logical way to think. It's quite illogical. Think about it like this. Answer these questions in your mind here today. Where did you get your consciousness from? Where did that come from? Nobody can explain that. No one has come even close. And where did your body come from? The body that is so complex that it has more rigging and more connections inside of it than the world's greatest supercomputers. And how did it come to be that according to the Human Genome Project, inside of each one of us, there are 3.1 billion pieces of information that make us unique. How did that come to be? Francis Crick He was the one who discovered so much about DNA and RNA inside of us. And he was not a Christian, by the way, but he said this about DNA. He said, it's so miraculous, it's as if it dropped straight out of heaven. Do you know what is logical? It is logical that a supernatural being created us. And if it is logical that a supernatural being created us, it is also logical that a supernatural being can recreate us. It's not logical to think that there is no resurrection. This is not a fear that comes from logic, this is a fear that comes from our hearts. And so when Jesus responded to the Sadducees, he did not respond with logic. He responded to the fear in their hearts. This is what he said. But in the account of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead do rise. For he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Abraham, of the God of Jacob. You see his argument there. He's not arguing for the resurrection on the basis of logic. He's arguing for the resurrection on the basis of who God is. And God is the God of the living. Jesus is saying that if God has already raised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... And if they are with him in heaven and are not just a pile of bones somewhere, then God's resume is more than great enough to get past this little problem of who's going to be married to who in heaven. God is so much greater than you think he is. This is what we need to understand about ourselves today, people of hope. We need to understand that God is greater than we think he is. That the God that that we have comprehended and painted a picture of in our minds and in our hearts is so much less than the reality of God. God is greater than we think he is. And the Sadducees are the perfect unfortunate uh, example of that. There was a perfect lack of understanding and imagination in them. They thought they had stumped Jesus for good, and they had failed to comprehend that heaven might be greater than marriage. God is greater than you think He is, and heaven is greater than you can ever imagine. And so Jesus responded to the Sadducees by saying this about marriage. He says, In the resurrection, the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. Jesus is saying that God is so good and heaven is so amazing that the institution of marriage is going to be irrelevant. I mean, here on earth, why do we need marriage? We need marriage because we need a safe place, a safe relationship with someone who will love us and give themselves up for us. We won't need that in heaven because everyone will be perfect and our relationship with everyone will be perfect. You know what love's going to be like in heaven? Not only are we going to love each other, we're going to like each other. God is greater than you think he is. And heaven is going to be so much better than you can ever imagine. God is better than you think, especially when you remember who is speaking here. This is Jesus speaking. And who is Jesus? He's God in a body. the christ who is speaking these words and telling us about himself is the creator united with his creation he is physical proof that jesus came down to that god came down to earth to redeem us physically and spiritually He's proof he 's physical proof that God cares into about our entire self, our sight, our hearing, our smell, our touch, our whole self. Jesus came for that he 's physical proof that that God, when He put your three point one billion bits of information out into the universe, he intended for it to stay permanent. God is better than you think he is. Way better. Especially when you remember that this teaching was taught three days before Jesus died on the cross, three days before he made you worthy of resurrection to heaven. Three days before he stretched out his skin on the cross to save yours. Six days before he rose from the dead to be alive, to show us that he is not the God of the dead, but he is the God of the living. He is the living God of the living. You will taste And you will see, and you will feel, and you will touch, and you will hear forever. You will experience heaven in a body for eternity. Somehow it's going to be way better than Dutch Bros. You will hear the singing of the angels. You will smell the celestial banquet. You will taste God's galactic wine and you will see God with your own eyes. Finally, you will see and you will experience with your body the goodness and the genius of God. You will see. I mean it. You will see. That's what God promises.